Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Getting to Yes, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In. Negotiation is closely related to our lives. Every one of us is a negotiator in the sense that we all face various negotiation scenarios every day. Thus, negotiation is an essential skill that we should master. However, negotiation is not simple, and it is often hard to achieve good results. You may have encountered awkward situations like the following, neither you nor the seller is willing to budge an inch while bargaining. Your boss rejects your request for a promotion or a pay raise. You argue with your colleague over differing proposals. So, is there any negotiation method that defends our interests while also satisfying the other party? Of course there is. The book Getting to Yes, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In proposes the principle negotiation, a general strategy that applies to various negotiation situations. This so-called principle refers to the inner appeal of interests. The key is to treat your negotiating partner as a collaborator and focus on basic interests. Then, search for solutions that satisfy both parties' common interests based on objective standards to achieve win-win outcomes. This book was published in 2009 and has been a bestseller ever since. It has also been recommended by John Kenneth Galbraith, the advisor to three U.S. presidents, Cyrus Roberts Vance, a former U.S. Secretary of State, and Ayn Rand, a famous writer from the U.S. Getting to Yes, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In was written by Roger Fisher, William Urey, and Bruce Patton. They are three senior experts from the Harvard Negotiation Project. They are not only researchers but also practitioners in the field of negotiation. They provide professional negotiation consulting services for many individuals, companies, and even government agencies. Next, we will take you through the principled negotiation from three perspectives so that you can see how this method is the secret to successful negotiations. Part 1. What are the drawbacks of positional bargaining? Part 2. What is principled negotiation? Part 3. What should we do when we meet tough opponents? First, let's explore Part 1 to understand what positional bargaining is, as well as some of its drawbacks. The most common phenomenon during negotiations occurs when both parties stand firmly on opposing sides in their respective positions and defend their interests. When both parties equate the idea of defending their positions with safeguarding their dignity, the negotiation is less likely to achieve consensus. Therefore, many negotiations eventually evolve into battlefields where both parties argue just to maintain their image. They simultaneously try to overwhelm the other party to such an extent that they forget their original interests. This common situation is what the book refers to as positional bargaining. Let's look at an example of positional bargaining. Two children wanted to share a piece of cake. Their original intention was to distribute the cake equally, but while talking, one began to emphasize I am older, so I should eat a little bit more. In contrast, the other started to stress, I am strong, so I should eat a little bit more. As a result, both parties gradually came to stand in their respective positions. They turned the focus of the negotiation into who is older or stronger. 
they ignored the fact that their fundamental interest was eating the cake. The scenario that we just described represents a typical case of positional bargaining. So, what are the drawbacks of positional bargaining? Firstly, the results of positional bargaining often fail to meet both parties' needs simultaneously, meaning that it is challenging to produce win-win outcomes. Specifically, this failure implies two possible results, either one party wins and the other loses or both parties lose. Let's talk about the first outcome where one wins and the other loses. This situation often occurs when one side's status is unequal to the others, such as negotiations between strong and weak countries, party A and party B in a contract, leaders and subordinates, and so on. Generally speaking, the party with higher status will take stricter measures, while the weaker party will be more mild-mannered. Suppose both sides get themselves into a positional bargaining stance. In this case, it usually results in the strong dominating and taking advantage of the weak, while the more vulnerable party compromises to avoid additional friction. The second outcome occurs when both parties lose as the negotiation breaks down. Let's look at an example. During President John F. Kennedy's reign, the United States and the Soviet Union negotiated a total ban on nuclear testing. One of the topics was about how many inspections would be allowed each year in areas suspected of nuclear testing activities in their own territory. The United States insisted on at least 10 inspections, while the Soviet Union insisted on only three. Neither side wanted to make concessions, and eventually the talks broke down. This example illustrates the second possible result when positional bargaining fails to achieve beneficial outcomes, both parties lose. However, is it really impossible to reach a consensus on this issue? The United States advocated for 10 inspections per year while the Soviet Union advocated for 3 per year. Thus, the two countries seemed caught in a deadlock. However, the authors point out that they could have taken a different approach and discussed the design of inspection procedures. For instance, by focusing on the number of days an inspection might last and the number of people it might take for each country to inspect nuclear tests in their respective territories, they might discover that they could send one person to inspect for one day or 100 people to inspect for one month. Considering the issue from this perspective might have allowed them to satisfy the United States' demand for more inspections and the Soviet Union's request to reduce interference from the other side. This way, perhaps the negotiations could have continued. However, because both parties were uncompromising and stuck to their respective positions, they failed to consider a plan that would satisfy both parties. Next, let's look at the second drawback of positional bargaining, inefficiency. This disadvantage is not hard to understand. When two parties hold opposite views on an issue, they tend to either stick to their positions or frequently alter negotiation terms to test each other's bottom line. However, wasting time on such pointless arguing only leads to inefficient negotiation processes. If any party takes an extreme initial position, the possibility of finding a compromise also decreases, thus increasing the time needed for negotiations. Let's look at the typical example of a customer bargaining with a shopkeeper in a clothing store. The shopkeeper asks for $100, while the customer bargains for $20. The shopkeeper thinks that the customer does not know the item's real value and is being insincere in their offer. On the other hand, 
the customer believes that the shopkeeper sets their prices randomly, which is not kind. As a result, the topic of dispute becomes whether they know the good's actual value and whether the price is set randomly. Then, the shopkeeper switches his reasoning and says that the production alone costs him $80. Still, the customer states that the item is only worth $30 considering its quality. Thus, the negotiation topic has changed again to the cost versus the quality of the clothes. The price continuously changes from $80 to $60, and from $30 to $40. During the process, the buyer often threatens to pull out of the deal if the shopkeeper doesn't want to lower the price. Time flies as the two sides bargain back and forth. Maybe the shopkeeper and the customer eventually make a deal at a certain price. Nevertheless, they wasted 15 minutes just to strike a bargain. Do you think this process is very inefficient? It is even more likely that the two sides fail to reach a deal even after bargaining for more than 15 minutes. The third drawback to positional bargaining that cannot be ignored is the possibility of endangering an ongoing relationship. Since both sides have different demands, it is easy for each negotiating party to treat the other as an enemy that must be defeated. Thus, confrontation arises from the negotiation process. When one party finds that their reasonable demands are not taken seriously, they may become angry and or even more aggressive. As a result, the ongoing relationship is endangered. We are now coming to the end of part one. We learned about three drawbacks of positional bargaining that commonly occur in daily life, producing unbeneficial outcomes, inefficiency, and endangering ongoing relationships. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.